Listen now for God's living word. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. And then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and had found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. In college, I was an English major. I graduated as an English major, and with quite a few creative writing classes under my belt, I had become an aspiring poet. I suppose you might say I still am, but in college, I was also aspiring to publish poetry. So I mailed out manuscripts for a couple of years, and in all that time and many, many manuscripts, I published one poem, a haiku of all things. Thank you, Kaleidoscope Review. Of all my poems, that was the only one, and it was written in a classroom exercise at the beginning of a poetry workshop. And so of all the work, three lines, 18 syllables, made print. I lamented my drama, my complaint to a professor one day, and he turned to me and said, so you're getting rejection letters in the mail? I said, yeah, I'm getting a lot of them. And he's like, wow, you're doing pretty good. You see, I thought I had been failing. But I was surprised by his response, and I asked him, why is it good? 
And he explained that most submissions don't even get rejection letters. It means the editors appreciated your work. He said, if you get a rejection letter, you should send them more. This changed, it transformed the way I thought about my failure. So I started to keep my rejection letters in a file that grew thicker and thicker. And now, as a failed poet, I do enjoy a rich collection of now-dated rejection letters. During the season of Lent, we are looking at Scripture with an eye for what God is cultivating, and simultaneously, we are looking for what God might be calling us to let go of. And today, I want us to think about the ways that God might give us grace for failure. So Lent is a season when we prepare ourselves for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday, and we intentionally seek to know more about the ways God is active in our lives. So we devote our attention to God. We engage in practices of our faith. And to do this, we need to clear away some of the clutter, which prevents us from living our faith in the ways which God invites and the ways that we individually desire. Now this morning, our scripture from Luke invites us to consider failure. Just before this scripture text, Jesus has been teaching a group that is gathered about judgment. It is really a hard lesson on hypocrisy and division and making false accusations. And so when we turn to this morning's scripture, the scripture we read from Luke, when we hear Jesus teach this lesson, Jesus goes from a broad teaching about judgment to life application. Unfair judgment has been cast on these Galileans And it doesn't sound kind, generous, or good. The news of the day, the news that had been happening that brings up this issue of judgment, was a slaughter of people in Galilee by Pontius Pilate. Now, after the talk of judgment, people are wondering, what does this violence mean? An unfortunate and misguided question has been asked somewhere in the middle of all of this. The people ask if the killing means that some sin precipitated this violence. As in, did they bring it on themselves? And Jesus, in no uncertain terms, pushes back with a resounding, no, I tell you. And Jesus adds a note on this posturing on the question of sin, thinking with judgment does does require one to repent. That one is required to have their thinking transformed about this judgment, to approach people with grace rather than with judgment. And in this particular instance, judgment, uh, the, the sin in the judgment is a failure. 
In matters of faith, sin is often used as a word for some kind of spiritual failing, a moral ethical failure, a failure to listen to God or listen to neighbors. It encompasses that what we do or what we fail to do is flawed. And sometimes some traditions harshly suggest that sin is an identity problem, that it is not just the person that has failed, but the person is a failure. And failure becomes a problem when we try to think beyond what we've done. It's a sloppy and unfortunate kind of thinking. It's a kind of judgment that Jesus is calling to be transformed with grace and with mercy. And so if the scriptures are a gate that we pass through in order to enter and understand the mind of God, then as we read and proclaim God's good news from this morning's scripture, we can say with a very good degree of confidence that God does not think with this kind of judgment. If anything, Jesus is compelled toward the opposite. So how does God think about sin, about failure? To get there, why don't we start with ourselves? Can you think of a time when you failed? I know you can. I can think of many for myself. Think of a time when you failed. And we, when we think about these times, perhaps you know a time when you tried to offer a compliment, but an insult may have been heard instead. Or perhaps there was a time when you were working to accomplish a project, and piece by piece, not a thing would come together. And perhaps you tried to develop a relationship, get to know someone better, and you could never quite give what it required. Perhaps an experience when you wanted something so much, but somebody else had to pay the price for it. Or perhaps you were supposed to do something and you just, you simply forgot. Failure is usually a topic of conversation that we avoid, that we don't want to have. And perhaps it's because we can fail so easily. We can fail in our goals or our dreams. We can fail our friends or family. We can fail God. Failure happens. It is real. The question is, though, how do we respond? We can be harsh on ourselves using judgment like those in the scripture. We can blame someone else. We can seek forgiveness or repair what has been broken. We can ignore it like it never happens. Or we can admit, accept, recognize. Or we can even try and hide it. We can try and try again. Or we can hold back, choosing to stop trying as though we might never recover. Or we can try to learn how to think about failure differently. 
This last one, as I read the scriptures, is what I is how I believe God responds to failure, trying to transform our thinking and our understanding and our knowing. God considers failure with a different mind than we have. God asks us to think with a different mind than we had before. And so failure hopefully changes people for a positive good. Now, when Jesus calls on these people in the text to repent, there is a very particular word in Greek that is used. It is the word metanoia. Jesus says, no, unless you repent, you will perish as they did. No, unless you metanoia, you will perish as they did. Metanoia means to turn around, to be transformed. It has the sense of a change of heart or a a renewing of one's mind. It is a reform in the way one sees. Jesus says, unless you are transformed, you will perish as they did. Unless you turn around, unless you see with new eyes, unless you have a change of heart, you will perish. And how one perishes, as Jesus describes in this text, can mean a lot more than life. As the sense of diminished quality of life, a feeling of ruin, of being cut off from what matters most. Failure is a serious business that Jesus handles with compassion and grace and promise. There's a community of people in the United States who've been trying to cultivate compassion for failure. They engage failure with hope. One might even say that they're trying to make failure cool again. They call themselves Failure Lab. Failure Lab is a series of events that are hosted around the country And each event features storytellers who tell their most memorable experience of failing. Now, the storytellers don't say what they learned. They don't analyze how it happened or who is to blame. They just tell the story. And then the audience is encouraged to share the responses on social media. And there's a give and a take, a conversation. And even at some events, audience members are invited and prepared to participate in the sharing. And the stories, when you hear them, and you can hear a lot of them on YouTube, the stories are powerful. One woman, a teacher, says the students would leave and I would sit at my desk and cry. It was the first time in my life that I knew what it meant to ask for help. Another said my failure was my divorce. Another one said I I used to ask for soft change. That is the kind of change that you can give me that does not hurt you. There was something inside me, another person says, that was just tumbling down this black hole. 
It's moving. It's vulnerable. It's authentic to hear these stories of failure. But the result after years of failure lab is a rekindling of what makes us human. The openness takes away from the stigma and the isolation that comes with failure. Failure lab intentionally cultivates forgiveness and healing and transformation for people in their experiences. And so the audience and the participants leave, hopefully, with a sense of hope for what is next. And as they say at Failure Lab, embrace failure, learn from it, and build on it. I think as we think about failure, the parable of the fig tree offers a way to understand how God embraces people even in the midst of failure. In the parable, a man recognizes that his tree, his fig tree, is not bearing fruit. Tells the gardener gardener to cut it down. But the gardener who cultivates the plants says, give it another year. The gardener wants to give it closer attention Before the plant perishes, the fig tree has failed at its purpose of bearing fruit, but the gardener wants to give it enough grace to cultivate transformation. The harsh stigma of failure is sure to create a barren tree, after all. We need to let go of failure Because the world needs less barrenness. The world needs good fruit growing on trees that are thriving. Letting go of failure does not mean that it does not exist. It does not mean that we ignore it or pretend it away. It means that we embrace the same forgiveness and mercy that God embraces a move into new and more beautiful ways of being God's people. And it means that if we fail, we'll probably fail again. And God's grace in the face of failure will make us stronger in faith and character. Letting go of failure means that we can be more daring in our faith. Taking healthy risks as we participate in God's mission. Letting go means flourishing, even when we risk falling down. Letting go of failing means cultivating a knowledge of God's grace in our lives and in the life of our neighbor that will transform who we are and how we experience Life, For we can know that God's love transcends every possible outcome. So my prayer for you today is that you may know the gifts of metanoia in your life. 
May the church experience a renewed compassion for itself and for others. May we go into our lives trusting that God is the gardener, cultivating new fruits as God is cultivating faith that flourishes in all of our lives. Thanks be to God for these gifts and this grace today and always. Amen.